Hello, Jack Boyle. Hello, Simon. Good morning. Hello, Blair Duncan. Hello, Simon. How are you? Fine, thank you. Got an email last week, which I'll read to you. It's from listener Martin. It says, just listen to an E-L-I-Y-P podcast, Sons You. Means without you. Oh, um, French. Strange. Is this no leaving Oasis? Jerry and the Spice Girls? Put it in context, I understand. What happened then, Jack? Episodes three and four, what happened? Episodes three and four, uh-huh. well, our trusty leader was on one of his many holidays. <laughs> okay. Um, and somebody, not Blair, me, forgot to press record <laughs> when we were trying to record the episode, so. He asked the boys to do a man's job. I know, I know. I take it on the chin. Well, we all make mistakes, Chad. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Unforgivable, I think. Unforgivable. Anyway, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Black Eyes Employment Team Podcast. We have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and tends to keep you on the street and narrow with your staff. Our employment team has grown since our last podcast, and to reflect this, the new series is all about the newbies like me. We will be looking at the ins and outs of recruiting and integrating new employees into the business, from placing job adverts to issuing contracts, managing probationary periods, and more. Good. And the plug, JB? This episode is brought to you by thepodcasthost.com, the ultimate how-to podcast resource on the web. Um, they can help you with anything podcast-related, from planning and launching your show, equipment and editing, growing an audience, and even monetizing your show. Check out their free step-by-step guide on how to start your very own podcast, which is available at thepodcasthost.com slash start. Amazing. Okay, we're going to cover today confidentiality and restrictive covenants, which is an important thing to talk about today in episode number five, is this episode five? Episode five. Yeah, we're getting through them. Okay, so first of all, talk about confidentiality. Blair, talk to me about confidentiality. So we have express, which are written clauses of confidentiality, and we also have implied, which are those that are unwritten and their obligations as well. Okay. Implied or unwritten confidentiality duties include the following, to act honestly towards the employer. For example, when Jack's lodging his expenses claim, he has to make sure that he only includes what he actually claim it actually spent. Blair Duncan, what are you insinuating? <laughs> so that's, that's, that's terrible defamatory. Looking in Jack's eyes just now. <laughs> he's honest, he's honest. A couple of weeks worth of Tesco fuel. <laughs> Secondly, to disclose to the employer all information relevant to its, that's the employer's business, and not to compete with the employer's business. That last one's quite an interesting one, Blair. Before you were in the team, back to the, the sort of the, those halcyon days when I was a trainee, I think, <laughs> Simon had a case which I was assisting with, yep. and it was for a client of ours who had a cleaning company. The owner of the company went through a fairly messy divorce with his wife and then who became his ex-wife. His ex-wife was good friends with one of his staff members, This staff member had knowledge of loads of confidential information and trade secrets about the company's clients, their pricing structures, and all that sort of stuff. So after the divorce, the managing director's ex-wife actually set up her own company, which was in competition with our client's company. Which is strange, wasn't it, to think about that? Yeah, it's fairly vindictive. I think so. But then again, if that's if that was her expertise, I guess she had to earn a living. True. Um, in any case, the our client's staff member who held all this confidential information was also good pals with the ex-wife, 
and the staff member went over to help the ex-wife set up her company and even went as far as to approach some of our clients' clients and pitched for work. This included details of our clients' cost and pricing structures, how they would clean the business, all sorts of confidential information was being misused. Yep. The MD discovered that the ex-wife and the staff member had attended the customer's workplace and so the MD dismissed the disloyal member of staff. Um, the member of staff lodged a claim against her clients for her dismissal and again, importantly, there was no express written clause stating that the staff member couldn't compete with the employer. So I went to hearing a long time ago, Jack, wasn't it? And again, the member of staff or the ex-member of staff's lawyer said, well, there's no express written clause saying you can't complete, therefore it was unfair dismissal. What did the judge say, Jack? I think the judge basically said, redonkulous argument. <laughs> there's clearly an implied obligation for an employee not to compete with their employer and to steal confidential information and try and use that for the benefit of a competitor. Mm-hmm. Was this not a strange one, Si, as well? Was this not the only case in your career where a witness did something unusual in the witness box? Oh, that's right. He started saying it, didn't he? Yeah. What was he saying again? I'm sure it was a black-eyed piece. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> it was a song that was big when Dundee United won the Cup in 2010. That's right. And anyway. I got a feeling. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That one. It's a strange situation. I'm not going to sing it. So importantly, there are implied unwritten confidential duties which are applied to all members of staff. Don't need to be written down because they're so obvious. We also see express written confidential terms in the contracts. Um, it's really important, I think, to state what confidential information is included in the clause. That's right. And we often see this is quite tightly drafted in contracts mm-hmm. as to see what the employer regards as confidential. That's quite important for an employer to do that. So it can include things like Employment team business plans. Yep, check. Employment team client lists. Check, I've downloaded all of those onto my USB. Any information given to an employee in course employment relating to customers, suppliers, other business contacts, that kind of stuff. Yep. But it's important, I think, that you state in the clause what confidential information includes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's probably best practice as well to get the employees to actually sign their contracts, mm-hmm. picking up on a point we discussed in the last episode, because if the employer wants to rely upon enforcing any term of the contract, then it's much better if the employee signed it to avoid any arguments down the road. Exactly right, Jack. Yeah, and we were saying that as well, it's good to state it in, it's, and it's often good to remember that a confidentiality clause which is too wide might be unenforceable, so keep it relevant to what you're doing in your business and what is confidential to you. Moving on now to restrictive covenants. Jack, do you want to cover that? Yes, for sure. So restrictive covenants, I often find a bit of a thorny issue, but essentially what they seek to do is limit the ability of an employee to carry out certain acts for a specific period of time, usually after the employment has ended. So these kind of typically include things like non-compete clauses, so you can't join a competitor after you leave non-solicitation clauses, so you can't contact our customers or clients after you leave non-poaching, self-explanatory, you can't poach our clients, customers, etc. after you leave, and you also get these non-dealing type clauses, so let's say even if the customer makes the first move and they want to deal with you, you can't deal with them. What does your contract say, Blair, about that? Any restrictions on you? Probably, but I can't remember. I probably should have read it in more detail. It's <laughs> asking, isn't it? That's classic. What a great employment lawyer Blair is, clearly. Good attention to detail. Jack, anything in your contract? 
Yep, I am not allowed to work for any law firm in the vicinity of the Dundee area for a period of six months. Is that right, Jack? After I leave, yep. That no, was... more than that. Not in Scotland, not worldwide. Well, it should be, given my, <laughs> pro- <given> my <laughs> prowess in the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. And so if you're the employer and you want to enforce these restrictive covenants, you would do that through the Sheriff Court or the Court of Session, which is the higher court in Scotland, not through an employment tribunal. And it's important to remember that it, it can be quite difficult to enforce these restrictions. When faced with them, the court's starting point is that the restrictions are an enforceable restraint of trade unless they can be shown to be necessary to protect the employer's business. And the burden is very much on you, the employer, to demonstrate that the restrictions you've drafted and put in place are enforceable, not on the employee. Gosh, that's interesting. So kind of, you want to make sure the restrictions are reasonably necessary for legitimate protection of the employer's business. So if they go beyond what's reasonable, they will be struck out. So again, restrictions must be necessary for legitimate protection of the employer's business. So let's say um, the example I gave, Jack can't work um, for a lawyer's office for the entire world. Do you think that's enforceable? Probably not. Why not? It's a bit wide. Why not? I'm not not on a global sphere, Simon. How about kind of restrictions should be timely too? So let's say Jack can't work for a firm of lawyers until he dies. Enforceable, do you think? Never. Probably not. Why not? There needs to be an end date. It needs to be a fairly narrow. The narrower, the better. Okay. And they also might prevent staff from taking members of staff with them. So, for example, I might stop Jack from taking staff with him. Jack can't take Blair with him if he leaves. (laughs) Why would I do that? Sorry, Blair. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Grievance. (laughs) Logic grievance. Two in one one podcast. Good. We quite often, um, for some reason, the hairdressing industry um, is quite a an area where this is a uh, rife and there seems to be quite a number of issues or disputes among hairdressers. Probably, it's because you're here, I think. It's probably because you're here. Because you've got such a stylish haircut. Well. That's why I come to us before they go to other people. I could. <laughs> I'm glad you said hair and not lack thereof, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so we were instructed um, many years ago by a hairdresser, a business client who wanted to breach his restrictive covenants. Yep. Showed us the contract, and the contract said that, you know, you can't work within a five-mile radius of your old workplace. Now, this was in the city centre of Dundee, and he needed to earn a living, and we managed to resist the company's action for interim interdict. Yep. This was in the sheriff court, and the judge ruled that given the, the high density of employers in the hairdressing industry in the Dundee vicinity, five miles was way too wide. And instead, the judge suggested that a radius of 1.6 miles would be more appropriate. So it depends. It depends kind of how kind of heavily populated the employer is. So I think possibly given the fact this was in a Dundee vicinity with lots of hairdressers present around there, it was kind of held to be five miles was too wide. Hmm. But if it was maybe kind of in the countryside, maybe in Blair Jack, yep. um, that might be possible to say, okay, um, 10 miles from the workplace is enforceable, some would say. Yeah, if it's a sparsely populated area, then I would, I think you're probably more likely to get away with a wider radius for yep. sure. Yep, yep, yep. And as Jack was saying earlier, if you're in doubt, less is more. This is about the fact that a court starting point will usually be that restrictions are unenforceable unless those restrictions are shown to be necessary to protect the employer's legitimate business interest. If you go over what is deemed to be necessary, the whole clause will be deemed to be unenforceable. 
So okay. ask yourself, is the clause intended to be preventative or enforceable is the main question to ask, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably the first thing I'll ask clients when I'm drafting these covenants for them. Like, like, are you wanting to just put this in there to try and deter the person from trying to take your business? If so, that's fine. Maybe make it longer. But if you actually want to take them to court, if they breach it, think about perhaps making it more tight and narrow. Less is more some and safe, this type of... For sure. Covenant. Takeaway tips, fellas, what are we working with today? Okay, tip number one, Blair. If you want to ensure confidentiality clauses are enforceable, firstly, you should define what confidential information is. And secondly, make sure to get your employees to sign their contract. Nice. Tip two, JB. I would say take extra caution when considering restrictive covenants. Consider whether the length of time is reasonable, etc., etc. Okay, and I think tip three, if in doubt, Take legal advice, I think. You want to be proactive taking legal advice before you want to try and enforce the covenants. Okay, so that concludes episode number five of season seven. That is podcast, then please do subscribe to our podcast your normal podcast host. And also, if you could please, it could give us a review, take 30 seconds to give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We got one recently from... Yep. A very kind listener, and we thank you for it. And okay. saying, informative, interesting podcast, like how they don't ramble on. <laughs> okay. That must have been the one when you were away, Simon. <laughs> good one. <laughs> with a great length of time, and it's a good mix of information and not bad humour. Okay. Again, must be humour the way that is. Fine. Okay, that includes that. Next week, we'll talk about GDPR. Yes. Yep. Episode number six. Episode six, GDPR. Who will cover that one then, Blair? That's going to be the good Stephen Connolly and another newbie to the, okay. to the to the podcast, Paul Nash. So, see you in the fortnight. Yes. Sounds good, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Cheerio. Bye. Bye.